Welcome to As I Live and Grieve, a podcast that tells the truth about how hard this is. We're glad you joined us today. We know how hard it is to lose someone you love and how well-intentioned friends and family try so hard to comfort us. We created this podcast to provide you with comfort, knowledge, and support. We are grief advocates, not professionals, not licensed therapists. We are you. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to As I Live and Grieve. Here we are again with me bragging about what a great guest we've got today. Today's no exception. Today with us is Mike Anthony. He's the author of a book called Love, Dad, and I am going to let him start out first by telling you a little bit about himself. Then we'll talk about his book and his experience. Hi, Mike. Welcome. Hi, Kathy. Thank you both so much for having me. I'm, I'm thrilled to be here. So, yeah, my name my name's Mike. I... Uh, at the moment, my 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 day job is managing uh, concessions for Hamilton on Broadway. Uh, I'm I'm an actor, and that's what I've been doing for the past 20 years, you know, on and off. But like most actors, I, I took a, a quote unquote day job that I thought I'd have for just a little while until my acting career took off, and here I am, 16 years later or whatever it is, still behind the bar. But it's a it, it's a it's a job that that I love. And uh, one other thing to note that is pertinent, I think, to what we're going to end up talking about is that before I became an actor, I had, had intended to be a science teacher. Science is something that I've always loved. That's what I went to college for initially, uh, you know, took a lot of science classes and, and it's just always been something that I've loved. And uh, we'll just say at the outset here that science currently, mainstream science anyway, is very clear on the question of, of life after death. Uh, in that there there is no such thing, right? According to the mainstream paradigm, uh, it's a question of neuroscience and consciousness is a, an epiphenomenon, is something that's created by the functioning of, of, of the brain. And when the brain stops functioning, that's the end of the story. So that's um, that's what I knew from any science classes I had taken, though I had always doubted that was the whole story myself. From a very young age, I've I felt there was probably a whole lot more going on than uh, our scientific instruments are currently strong enough or, or sensitive enough to detect. But so anyway, that's just another part of my background that becomes a, a mm -hmm. part of the story. And so, so that's that. And then I was just living my life, having a great time, acting, bartending, living in New York City, uh, when in 2011, my dad, out of nowhere, from our perspective, died. Uh, he, he, he was a guy that we thought was the healthiest person in my family. We thought there's no doubt this guy's going to outlive us all. Um, you know, I, I moved all the time as an actor living in New York. I lived in an, a new apartment basically every year. And my dad, up until the, 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 basically the week before he died, was like hoisting couches, you know, up to four-story wow. walk-ups in New York. Uh, he was only 60 years old, and he was a very young 60, you know, very, what we thought was a very healthy 60-year-old guy. So. Uh, he died, and that's really where this story uh, that we're talking about today kicks off. Well, very interesting that you were into science because I've not been, well, I won't say I majored in science or anything, but I've had more of a an analytical scientific brain, I think, than anything else. So all of these concepts of reincarnation, life after death, all of them, psychic mediums, the whole, whole lot was always something that I always, ah, hogwash. Yeah. Yet now, yet now, so many things have transpired in my life 
that are making me start to question now wait a minute Mm-hmm. It this may be what I knew, but this is what I'm feeling. So when and listeners, guess how I found him? One of my favorite friends, Facebook, Google, and Amazon. <laughs> Those are the three best friends that I have. And when I ran across this book, Love Dad, and I read the synopsis of it, I thought, oh, wait a minute. Wait <laughs> just one minute. Mm-hmm. And I thought, we have to have Mike on our podcast. So listeners, here we go. This is going to be great. Mike, tell us in a little capsule. I don't want you to blow it all so they don't buy your book. (laughs) But tell us a little bit about your personal experience. What the heck happened? Oh, God. So much ended up happening uh, that it it ended up in a Netflix series that's available right now called Surviving Death. It's a six-part documentary series. And my Dad's story is featured in three of those episodes. And even that just scratches the surface, which is why I wrote the book. The producers of that show said to me, you know, uh, we think you should write a book to cover the rest of the story. People are going to ha- have questions. And so that's, that's where the genesis of that book came from. Um, yeah, I mean, as you said, I have, this, I have this very analytical mind as well. I'm highly skeptical. I'll say I'm open-minded, right? I am open-minded. I'm, I'm ready to listen to evidence. Uh, absolutely. Right. But I need the right. evidence, right? I need exactly. the evidence. Exactly. And I show me, show me, you got to show me. Right. And I had assumed like you, I'm guessing that if there was anything to this mediumship stuff, I remember seeing John Edward on television, uh, cro- the, the crossing over um, when I was right. like in high school. And I thought, oh, that you know, that's fascinating. It's interesting. This guy seems to be coming up with such specific things. Surely science could test this guy. And if science had found that there was anything to this, surely I would have heard about it by now, right? Exactly. If, if there is any yes. evidence for something as big, as, as, as world changing, as life shifting, as evidence for life after death, if anything like that had been found, certainly it would have been taught to me on day one in my biology class Absolutely. or my psychology class or whatever. And because it none of nothing, anything remotely close to that had ever been taught to me in a, in a class, even in high school, uh, and certainly not anything above that, um, I thought there couldn't be much to, to that, right? I thought it must be a television show. These have to be people who are uh, either fooling people or it's just a pure entertainment or, or they believe they're doing something exactly. that, that they're not. So that was sort of my... My base position when my dad died, um, someone who had long believed that there's much more going on probably than meets the eye, but that there can't be too much solid evidence for life after death, or I would have heard about right. it. And then seemingly immediately following my dad's passing, things began to happen that were very difficult for me to explain away. Uh, and of course, I detail all of those in the book. They were things that you would call signs. Most people would call signs, right? Uh, such as butterflies appearing at very strange moments uh, in strange places, hearing songs on the radio at at very, what felt like very profound times. Um, I'll just give you this one quick little brief example. One of the first Mm -hmm. things that happened the day after he died, my sister and I were in shock and we were in his house going through his things. My dad was this very messy guy. He kept like mountains of papers on his desk. He would hand scribble (laughs) everything for years and save all of these notes that he would never look at again. But uh, anyway, he, we somewhere down in the pile, we saw this little scrap of paper, like an inch long, where he'd written the words, I believe, tell Jen. Jen is my sister's name. And we okay. had no idea what that could mean. 
about an hour later, further down in the pile, there was a second piece of paper, also ripped off a small piece that said, I believe, a country song. So we had surmised that he must have heard this song. On the, this was something he would do all the time, share music with my sister and I. He heard right. that we loved. He, we surmised he must have heard the song on the radio on two separate occasions, meant to tell my sister about it, and had ne- just never mm-hmm. gotten around to do it. So uh, the morning of the wake, we were. my mom decided she wanted to have a playlist, uh, uh, some music playing mm-hmm. uh, during the service. So we were putting together a playlist on iTunes. And I said, oh, type in I Believe in country music and see if we could find that song that he had mm-hmm. written about. And as it turns out, that song is uh, a song by Brooks and Dunn. I am not a country music fan, so this is not something I'd ever heard in my life before. And it's not a song my sister had ever heard before. It had been popular, we found out, about seven or eight years before this. So that's how old that little scrap of paper was that we found out in that file. (laughs) And as it turns out, the song is about a guy who is dying, who is trying to communicate to someone how certain he is that life goes on, that there is life after death. You can't tell me that it all ends in a slow ride in a hearse is one of the lines yep. of the song. So we, I know the song. You know the song. Yeah, yeah, I know the song. I know the song. So yep. I was sort of blown away. Of all of the songs in the universe, mm-hmm. of all of the ones for him to write down and to have forgotten to tell my sister about, this is the one that we find. Mm-hmm. And I happen to remember it on the day of the wake as we're putting together that playlist, right? So that would mm-hmm. be kind of neat enough. But what put it into yeah. another realm for me as something that I really had trouble just letting go of and explaining away, which is something my brain does. Something amazing will happen in the moment. And then an hour later, my brain is saying, yeah, but this or but that, you know, (laughs) my brain will not let me have things. It it takes a lot, which is why when you read the book, I mean, it took a lot for me to get to the place that I'm at right now. So a few days after that, I was driving. We live in Connecticut, and the, the service was in Connecticut. Um, I was driving back to New York. I lived in New York at that time. My family's in Connecticut. I was driving back, and I was alone for the first time uh, since his passing. And I was in the car, and it suddenly hit me like, like this horrible wave, this tsunami, that he was actually gone. I'm sure you know, and a lot of your yeah. listeners know, when you're going yeah. through a, a moment like that, there's like a, such a whirlwind of activity, planning the service and all of yes. that stuff. Yes. Right. And, and sometimes then there comes a moment when it becomes more real. And that was the moment mm-hmm. for me that it became real. Because I remember yep. I had my phone on, on my uh, chair and I remember reaching over to call my dad, <laughs> like literally to call my dad exactly. and realizing, oh my God, I can't do that anymore. I can't do that. And right. I began to sob on the highway. So I'm, I was getting ready to pull over because I'm, I'm like, I can't see. I'm going to, I, I can't drive right now. So I'm like getting ready to pull over. Now, at that time, as soon as iPhones and iPods came out, I always had my own music on in the car. I would plug my phone in as soon as I got in the car, and I would play my own music. Right. On that day, I was just not, didn't have the energy to plug the phone in or wasn't in the mood or whatever. So the phone was just sitting on my chair. I was not, I did not plug it in. The radio happened to be on in the background, and I was not listening to it at all. It was on low in the background. At this moment that I'm at the lowest moment probably in my life to that point, struggling with this existential thought that if my dad is gone, this amazing man is gone, what's the point of anything at all? And I'm sobbing now exactly. almost uncontrollably. So I'm at what I would consider to be the lowest point in my life to, to that point. Suddenly to my awareness, I hear these words. And I look at the radio and I realize it's on and I go to turn it up. And I'm almost afraid to turn it up because if I'm hearing what I think I'm hearing, I'm going to 
100% lose control of this car. And I turn it up and I hear, you can't tell me that it all ends in a slow ride in a hearse. It's that song that had been popular a decade ago, almost, that I had Uh never heard on the radio. I had never heard this song before. And suddenly it's playing in that moment. And I turn the radio on full blast and I call my sister and I'm screaming, listen to this, listen to this. I just, I just couldn't believe it. Um, And so that was one of the first um, things that happened that made me start to, to um, at least question, at least entertain the possibility that there was Mm -hmm. some way that some part of my father, even though another part of me was saying, this is ridiculous. How could your dead father have somehow gotten to a DJ on some radio station in Connecticut? And how could he work out the timing of it all to put it on it? Exactly. You know, the, 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 the logical part of it started to, you know. Right. So that part of my brain is saying this is impossible. This is clearly a coincidence. As remarkable of a coincidence as it is, it's clearly just a coincidence. Still, somewhere, another part of me w- w- was mm-hmm. maybe opening up some in some way to the possibility that, that there could be, could there be something more? Uh, if that right. were the only thing that would have happened, surely by now, that other part of my, that analytical part of my brain would have yep. wiped, scrubbed that away by now. But my dad was far, far from done, as it turned out. Uh, that was just the be- very beginning of um, the things that ended up happening. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I want to say, and, and, yeah, I, I mean, and I can go what? on if you want. I don't know what? how much you and, want. And what? <laughs> uh, okay. So your brain did not wipe it away no. because what? So what happened next? So what happened next? Now, th- th- this is mediumship comes into play now. Now, so most of the time people seek out a medium, right? You, you're, you're grieving right. and, um, whether you believe it or not, you know, it's not, you, there are, you, you can get so desperate after a loss that I, I know people exactly. who have never had any belief in this whatsoever. And they're like, you know, right. okay, yes. what's that medium's number? Let me just maybe give this a try. Right. Because yeah. you just need yeah. to know. You, you want to know. To know. You become, you can yeah. get desperate to know. I mean, and I yeah. was in this super dark place after he died because my dad was sure. such an amazing guy too. I just really was thinking that if someone as amazing as that could just disappear What's the point exactly. of doing anything at all? What's the point of anything exactly. at all? That's sort of the place I was in. Sure. So, sure. but instead, we did not reach out to a medium. A medium reached out to us, which is how w- this story sort of <laughs> differs. So my mom called me. Uh, I was at, back at work behind the bar, again, having a, a, a terrible time. It's only about a week after the funeral. And right. she calls me and she says, I think I just got a sign from your father. And I said, what are, you, what are you talking about? So as it turns out, I have a second cousin. And I, when my mom told me this person's name, I couldn't even picture this guy. I think I was at a wedding with him maybe when I was like 10 or something. And he is, one of the things he does is uh, he, he works at a hospital. He's like a, an administrative person. He has this like big wig sort okay. of job at a hospital, right? So not no one in the family knew that on the side, on the weekends, he has a ghost hunting group. They like go to haunted houses with all of the scientific okay. equipment, right. or pseudo-scientific equipment, as a lot of people would say. <laughs> and they like, you know, try to find ghosts and stuff. And this Chris, my cousin Chris, didn't tell his family or anyone else about it because he was actually worried about word getting out. He thought it would look bad professionally. Well, sure. And so it was very, right, he was sure. very mum about this, even with the family. Yeah. But 
he called my mom a week after the now now we again we're not close so he was not like at the funeral or or anything like that he heard that my dad my dad had passed like through the through the grapevine he called my mom and he he, he'd never called my mom's house before ever and uh he said liz you know my mom's name this is chris and she she had to think for a second even chris who who is this and she said he said uh you know you you don't know what i do on the weekends but i'm in this ghost hunting team and my mom at this point has now zero idea what this phone call could possibly be about exactly the second cousin calling and saying this very strange thing and i've since talked to chris about this and we laugh about this all the time it was so hard for him to make this phone call because he had no idea what my family's beliefs were it's just a week after this passing he Mm -hmm. did not want to make this call but my dad was so (laughs) incessant that chris says my dad forced this phone call to be made so Wow. On Chris's team, they have a medium and they were investigating this house that a family was having some sort of an issue with. And the medium, a, a woman who I've now become friends with as well, she said, Chris, this is this guy that's here. He's not connected to this house. I have this guy here. It, his name is Robert. He, I, he's connected to your family somehow. And Chris is saying, Robert, Robert. And, it, and, and we're so distant. It didn't even occur to him that you know, he, sure. that this is my dad. It, he could, he was like, I don't know who that could be. And then she said, Oh, it's a, his family has is somehow owns a fish, tra- a fish restaurant. I think his family, maybe his daughter owns a fish restaurant. And at that point, my, my sister, Jen owns a fish restaurant. And at that point, okay. I thought, Oh my God, wait a minute. Fish restaurant. That's the, I know who that yeah. could be. So anyway, she, he called my mom, this woman, her name is Christine delivered all of these various messages through Chris to my mom that night. And then my mom called me and I was like, wait a second. Who is this person, Chris? I need to, I have to know more. So then I grilled Chris about this. I made him give me the number to the medium that this medium, yeah. as far as I was concerned at that point. And then I talked to her for hours on the phone. And I came away from that conversation with that woman thinking, because honestly, initially I'm thinking either she must be mentally un- unwell in some way or she's looking <laughs> for money somehow. I mean, you know, like what is the end game here for these charlatans? Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's how my mind <laughs> works. Yeah. Um, yep. But by the end of that phone call with her, I-, I was thinking she seems to me to be a kind, compassionate person who at least believes herself that what she's saying is true. I don't know if it is or not, but I think she believes it. And she is saying some things to me that I'm having trouble understanding how she could know, right. including, uh, yeah, she, th- th- there was a lot. There's a whole lot there. And again, it's detailed all, all right. the book. And luckily, right. I started taking notes right away as all of this stuff started happen, happening w- without the idea ever that 10 years down the road, I would write a book about this. That that was not sure. ever in my mind when this started. Mm-hmm. So. So that's how mediumship sort of came into our lives. And then I, I, I talked to my sister after I hung up the phone with that woman. And I said, well, I just spent like hours on the phone with her. She seems to me like a, a nice lady who's really trying to help. And she did say some things that were, that were correct that I'm not sure how she could know. And so we thought that was intriguing. Now, the next morning, my sister was uh, on her way to work listening to the radio uh, in the car. And there was a station called 95.6 in Connecticut, which is one of the popular radio morning shows here. And on Fridays, every now and again, apparently, they have a medium on the radio that people call into. And she gives these readings over the radio. My sister just happened to catch that segment that morning 
This is like the day after I talked to this meeting mm -hmm. on the phone the night before. So the timing of that to my sister seemed extraordinary that she would just happen yeah. to catch this medium now on the radio who who is based here in Connecticut. And she does this professionally. This is something this right. woman claims to do so well that people pay her money to go do. Pay her money. That's right. Yeah. So my sister uh, decided to contact this woman. She okay. went to a reading with her. She had a completely life-changing experience at that reading. Um, goodness. Because this reading happened in a theater with a couple of hundred people. My sister was sitting in the, the, the back row. They were in the, initially they were in the very back row. They didn't want to get too close. My sister really just wanted to kind of observe. She gets very nervous right. in public like this. And she was not sure. looking for a reading. She was thinking if this goes well, if I think there's anything actually to this, I'll set up a right. private reading with this woman. Private. So this was just for uh, investigatory purposes. So she, right. my mom and my brother-in-law, they're sitting in the back row and the medium comes out and she does a little talk about how she does what she does and, and everything. And then she says, okay, I'm ready to start. And she immediately walks to the other side of the stage, to the side of the theater that my sister was on, points to my sister in the back row and says, I'm with you. Okay. Immediately, number oh my one, goodness. I'm with you. Your dad is standing behind you wearing a Red Sox shirt, is <gasps> what he, she said. Now, this is significant because not, not only was my dad a Red Sox fan, we buried my dad in his Red Sox shirt. That's, oh, my goodness. That's what he's buried in. There's certainly that was not posted anywhere on Facebook or anything. We did not mention anywhere. By the way, we buried my dad in, the, in his Red Sox shirt. You know, that's not right, something right. Uh, you could very easily find. You'd have to do a lot of uh, work to get that piece of information, including interviewing members of my family somehow. Now, also, it was open seating at this theater. Because, again, I'm thinking, well, maybe she knows exactly where everyone is sitting. Maybe you buy right. it online. You could research. Um, you could sit wherever you want. So she wasn't doing it by at least not by memorizing where people were sitting. That could right, not be right. the method if this was being faked somehow. But that was not the only thing. So immediately, my sister now, when she tells the story, then someone run, runs over with a microphone to hand her so everyone in the theater can hear her. And she's like rocking back and forth in her seat now. Like, she's oh. like, what is happening? What is happening? Because she keeps on saying these things that are correct, that are accurate. And, and it's also, that was the first thing she said. She didn't say, is your dad passed? Do you have a male yes. in your family? She just came over and said, I'm with you. Your dad is standing behind you in a Red Sox shirt. So that morning, my sister had talked to my dad. And said, okay, dad, I'm going to do this thing just in case by some stretch of the imagination, I do get a reading. I, I want you to deliver a specific message to me so I'll know that this is real. And after all of that stuff had happened, this specific message was delivered to my sister. And that moment was her moment that changed her life forever in a way that was indelible, in a way that persists to this day. And so I wasn't there. I was at work in New York for this whole thing. So my sister calls me in the car and they're all crying in, a, in this beautiful way. They're all crying and laughing and screaming in the car, telling me, you're not going to believe what just happened. You are not going to believe this. And so they tell me the story and I think, well, okay, well, now I really have to find out what's going on here. Right. Give me this woman's number. I need her name. So we set up a reading with this woman to come to our house to do a reading with us. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, if this is real, if my sister was able to ask my dad for a specific thing, surely she should be able to do it again for me. And I was very <laughs> skeptical that that could possibly happen. 
but I was standing right. in my dad's house on the day that she was set to come over. And, and I was all alone. My dad lived in a back lot in the middle of the woods in Guilford, Connecticut, completely isolated in this, in this sort of back lot. And I said, okay, dad. Uh, and I had been trying and trying and trying to think of some, some, some uh, secret code word, basically, that he could give me. So I, right. I know it was him. Right. And I was, as I was standing there, I was suddenly flooded of the memory that when I was a little kid, my sister and I would beg my dad at, at night to, to play with our hair. We would beg him to play with our hair to help us fall asleep. <laughs> and this was something yeah. that the poor guy had to do for hours until his hand was absolutely <laughs> cramping up. He would play with her hair. Now, it, it, that wasn't something I thought of in years. And for some reason, I was flooded with that memory. And I said, okay, that's the thing, dad. I need this woman to mention my hair. I need her to say something about my hair specifically, or I'm not going to, I don't care what else she says. I'm not going to believe that this is yeah, real. Mm -hmm. So a couple of hours later, she comes to the house. Now she knows the address to meet us at. She knows my sister's first name. With that information, you could gather a whole bunch well, sure. of data about sure. people in the, in the age of Google and the internet. Mm -hmm. So I was going to need things that were not published anywhere. That, that's the sort right. of information I was going to need. And right. that is what she started to provide immediately. So we're sitting in a circle in my mom's living room. And within five minutes, I'm looking around to see, because I had like scrubbed the house. You know what I mean? I took down photos. I tried to make the, the sterile <laughs> thing that she could not get any information. So I'm thinking, I must have left up something that has all of this written down somewhere. <laughs> How in the world <laughs> is she doing this? And then she started to talk about a conversation that my sister and I had had a day or so before alone in my dad's house. She started to like quote the conversation and, and oh. it was things of that level of specificity. And this went on for an hour and a half. Um, there were seven of us there in the room. And not all connect, not all hoping to hear from my dad, by yeah. the way, there were other, there other people there too, that she did not know were going to be there. That was a little something I wanted to, to do just to see what would happen. Sure. And those people trip her up, trip her up. <laughs> those people also had a life changing experience that night. The people that she did not know were going to be there. So that's also important. But by an hour and a half in, I'm now crying with everybody else thinking there has to be something going on. There has to be. And I was so blown away. I, I totally forgot about my little code word because, because that's how moving and sort of shocking the, the E sure. was. So then we're getting ready to leave. And um, we're kind of making small talk at this point. And in the middle of a sentence, her name is Angelina. In the middle of a sentence, Angelina stopped mid-sentence and looked right at me of the seven people there, right at me and said, your dad wants to talk about your hair and oh my goodness and she did this little motion with her hand this is like etched in my brain and i i mean it almost i mean i thought my heart was gonna stop you know i mean it took my breath away when she said that i, I was like like gasping for air for a second that's how floored i was completely stunned oh my and my family saying what what is it what because i hadn't told anyone anyone it was purely right. between me and my dead father and she said that thing. And that was the moment that that was my moment that like the one my sister had had the week or so before, that was the one for me where even to this day, that's one when I go back to that moment, it still gives me like chills to think of oh, her that's... saying that in that moment. Um, but I was still not going to let it go because then a week, <laughs> a week after that, my brain is saying, okay, is it possible? 
This woman has an ex-CIA agent on her staff, <laughs> and he had some high-tech, some high-tech listing equipment outside of my dad's house, and, and he heard me whisper to my dad about this thing. You know, I'm literally thinking, <laughs> could that be the way? You're really reaching. You're really, really reaching. Really. <laughs> In the name of Really reaching. Um, it's, and it just, it, it just shows you how, how desperately I needed to know for sure. You know, like mm, I really yes, needed yes. to know for sure. Um, I was not going to let myself be taken by anyone. Like I had to know. So not long after that, I, I called this woman uh, and I said, listen, you know, you did a reading for my family a while back and um, I, 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 I couldn't let it go what you did. Uh, I'd like to make a, a documentary about what you do. Basically, what I'm, I'm sa- I was saying to her is, I don't believe it yet. <laughs> I need more proof. Uh, I told her what I want to do is bring people to her that I choose, right. that she will have absolutely no say in whatsoever. I want to sit her down in front of a camera, hit record, and then walk total strangers into the room and see if she could do for them what she did for me. I've now filmed her at this point doing this with t- over 20 people. Oh my gosh. Every single, and I detail the, the data from this in the book. Cause I, I ended up going through all of the data, the statistics, you know, what are the, it, it ends up becoming a question of statistical analysis when you're doing mediumship yeah, research. Sure. Although for the people who have these life-changing experiences, it doesn't matter what the data says. Uh, it right. doesn't matter yeah, what, the, exactly. what the hit rate exactly. is, what the accuracy percentage rate is, what the chances are that it, it could be by guessing. It doesn't matter when, when a medium says something to you um, that is so specific, so profound, so meaningful. Um, we call we call these dazzle shots in the in the in the yeah. biz. Um, it doesn't matter what the math says. You know that, that that's right. all a person often needs to have their grief to, to begin a, a process of healing, or let, at least have it be a part of right. the healing process. And right. and that's what people who grieve are craving. Yeah. Yes. That's what they're craving is that experience. Yeah. Yes. And uh, and an experience like this, you know, another way people deal with grief is just by using traditional therapy, right? And 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 I also want to say obviously that there's no right or wrong way to grieve. Grieving no. is a process. No. It's different to everybody. There's no timeline for exactly. it. There, exactly. There's no, you know, there there's no prescription for how a person is supposed to grieve. I can say that for me. And for other people that I work with, Mm -hmm. the mediumship process can be an exceptionally helpful tool in your, Mm -hmm. in your handbag of tools Mm -hmm. as you're grieving. Um, There, there are, there are moments that have happened for people that I've witnessed that would never happen in traditional talk therapy. No matter how much you try to talk out and accept the physical, the the loss of the person, um, there are things that can happen and I've seen them. And I, the only reason I feel comfortable talking about this now in such a, concrete way is because I have had such powerful experiences that I now personally have zero doubt, zero doubt that there are people on this planet, not all of them that claim this, but there are people on this planet who have an ability that science has yet to uncover the pathway for. I have zero, I have absolutely no doubt about that. When you get to, uh, uh, you haven't read the book yet, right, Kathy? I'm not all the way through it. I've only just started. Okay. When you get to the Um, last chapter and I, I hesitated to even put this in the book because okay. what happened was so beyond what I thought was possible and so earth shattering and paradigm shifting 
that I thought, well, because the, the book is written in a pretty sober way. You know, I'm, I'm really trying to be very sure. clear thinking about this whole thing. And then by when you get to that last chapter, there is no way to explain it away. There's simply no way. It's an objective thing. Something happened to me and other people in a room uh, that I won't, you know, I won't go into the details of, but it, uh, okay. it involves something called physical mediumship as opposed to mental oh, mediumship. My oh, my goodness. And I can't wait. It totally, it totally changed everything about what I think of as, as reality. And, and now, because yeah. throughout this whole process, you know, I'm a, I'm a guy of average intelligence, right? There are people that are so much smarter than I am with Nobel prizes on their shelves telling me it's not possible for life to go on beyond death. It's, it, it's simply not possible, they say. And because they're so much smarter than me, I, I think, well, I must be missing something, right? I have to be missing something if they're all of these different people who I respect are telling me it's not possible. And I think my dad, knowing that that was always going to nag at me, mm-hmm. gave me, ended up giving me an experience, which I, which the last chapter is about. That so there could be no doubt no in doubt. your mind at all. None. I, and I've, t- for the documentary, I, I, I've talked to some of the smartest people on the planet, you know, neuroscientists, astrophysicists. Yeah. And now, no matter how many Nobel Prizes might be up there behind them, if they say to me, I'm sorry, there's no such thing as anything, quote unquote, paranormal. I now personally know that at least about that sliver of the universe, they're incorrect or they just don't have the information yet. There is a there is a there is a gap in their knowledge, at least when it comes to this specific thing. They can be way smarter than me in terms of lots of other things, math and, Mm -hmm. and, and, and what have you. And they can cognate in ways that my brain simply is not set up to do. They, 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 they can do things I simply can't. But when it comes to this question of anything, uh, of, I now know without doubt that consciousness is not confined to the skull. That's, that's what I can say. I now know without doubt that consciousness can have an effect on the physical world and move things and do things here in the physical world in a way that science right now says is impossible. So I now know, and it's a fascinating place to be, I now know that every science professor I've ever had, unless they had secret beliefs they didn't tell us about, was is wrong about a very fundamental part of, of the universe. This is a very sort of ground level fundamental thing. What part does consciousness play in, in, right. in how the universe works? And it's the sort of the main issue that, that modern day quantum physics is grappling with. They, they, like modern day quantum physicists turn themselves into pretzels trying to right. avoid the idea that consciousness might play a role. There's a, there's a famous thing called the double slit experiment, right? Which we don't have to get into here, but it it, it appears to a lot of people that, that watch that experiment that consciousness is somehow playing a role and, and quantum physicists are doing everything they can to try to make it be so that doesn't have to be the case. But I now know without doubt that consciousness has the ability to affect things uh, it is, n- it, it might be created by the brain that I haven't, you know, there's no way I don't, I don't think to really answer that one, but it is not, it's, it's ability to influence things does not stop at the, uh, at the, at the skull. Uh, it, it can Ugh. do things beyond that. So that's the and, place that, uh, I, you know, I, we've talked about this before, mom, when we've talked to psychic mediums and everything that you, in the signs, you have to be open to them. You have to be open to them and be more aware of kind of watching for them because it might not necessarily be the sign that you would think they would leave for you. So I think that because, you know, you are, you have such a scientific brain, but the fact that 
you're being open to the possibility that there's something else. And these other people with these fantastic Nobel prizes, I think are just, <laughs> you can't see <laughs> what I'm doing, I but I, I, you're just not because you, they so believe in the science or the math or whatever, they're not being open to the fact that just maybe, you know, there's something yeah. else, yeah. there's something else. You there. know, yeah. 10 years ago, I would have said, that what you just said is ludicrous, that it doesn't make right. sense that belief, that belief should play any role. Right. The thing happens or it doesn't happen. Belief has nothing to do with it. That's what I would have said. I'm now at a place, I was just recently talking with someone who said to me that, you know, there are fields that, that we know about, electromagnetic fields, right? Every, right. It, 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 there's, a, there's an electromagnetic field generated by the heart, by the brain. We can register these fields <clears throat> on equipment. I had someone say to me that it, it's his sense of things that belief can create a field in a sense, and that this is why some of these, there was a famous, uh, you know, there was that Japanese scientist, I'm forgetting his name right now, who, who took pictures of water molecules under the microscope. Do you remember, do you remember this? At yes. All? And it's somebody the, showed us those. Oh, great. And if someone another guest showed us those. Oh, great! Yeah, they're really fascinating. And and if he if he said loving things to this water, encouraging things, they looked one one way. They were beautiful crystalline structures. If he he would put the water in a jar and then tape like the word hate on the jar or the word joy yes. on the jar, things like this. The ones that had negative words on them, the shapes would be distorted and 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 not um not symmetric. And then other scientists and other labs tried this and they could not replicate what this guy was able to do. This is one of the main issues, one of the main reasons why I think the things that I've experienced are not black and white in the scientific mind. Uh, because I now think that there are things that happen in the universe that you just can't get into a lab, right? right. right. That doesn't mean they're not happening though. Uh, it, it just means that not everything is testable in, in the, the way that our science is, is set up to test the, you know, the, 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 the scientific method is meant for repeatability, but some of these things that I've, they're, they're not, they just don't operate in that way. And, and now, so when now you say to me that belief being open to these things might have an effect on whether or not you experience these things, I am now inclined to say, I think there is something to that <laughs> too, yeah. because yeah. when I opened to them, uh, so much stuff started to happen. I, I mean, just the fact that you and I are sitting here today talking to the, about this, I, I, rem I remember sitting down in front of the Netflix camera. And after that point, so much stuff had happened and thinking there's, there's the only way I'm sitting in front of this camera right now is because of all of these things that my dad did that he opened me up to. It's right. like dominoes started to fall over right. when I opened up to this possibility that he was still actually here. So I tend to now agree with you that in some cases, belief might play a role in whether or not you are lucky enough to experience these things. And I, I wish I could grant belief to everybody because I'll tell you, it's a much gentler universe right? Yes. when you come to know the things that I come to know, I have come to know. And it's possible though, that you can only come to know them after you believe them, yeah, as unhappy as unsettling as that's going to be to a scientific yeah. brain, yeah. I understand <laughs> I it is unsettling to a scientific brain. But I now think uh, that, that some things might only be able to be known after you've come to believe. Right. 
Wow. You know, and sadly, I have to say, man, this has been a fascinating conversation. I don't want it to I stop, know. but I'm going to, I'm going to go with the showbiz maxim. Always leave them wanting yes. more. So, <laughs> Mike, I want to give you a few moments to speak directly to our listeners. Make sure you tell them about your book and your other mm-hmm. book, even where they can get a copy, why they should get a copy. And if they listen to this podcast and don't run out and buy it, then they certainly don't believe. <laughs> I'm sorry. So go ahead, Mike. Go ahead, Mike. You have you have the mic. <laughs> sure, yeah. So uh, the, the the book is called uh, Love Dad, How My Father Died, Then Told Me He Didn't. Uh, the other book is called Life at Hamilton. As I mentioned, I'm the bar manager for Hamilton on Broadway. And through another extraordinary set of circumstances that I'm 100% sure the other side, if that's the right word, had, had a role in, uh, I ended up writing a book about about that experience. And that is another thing that the universe just brought into my life. The, the way that that book got published is is just extraordinary. Uh, so so both of those books are available on amazon.com or uh, barnesandnoble.com. The, my website is mikeanthony.com. Um, and if you go to the website, I have some videos because uh, we, we started to talk a little bit about the experiments that I did with the medium. Uh, and I was making a documentary for for this. So it's all on film. And there are, um, you know, I have some teaser videos that uh, show you some of the setup that we used and, and the controls that I kept getting tighter and tighter and tighter. So that by, by the end of this, when I had this medium reading people, there was a screen in front of her that people couldn't talk. So she was not <laughs> hearing or seeing it. I mean, I, I mean, I really put this woman through the ringer uh, so you can watch some of the some of the videos on there. Um, and also, if you want to contact me, uh, you can contact uh, you can email me through the website. and. Um, that's one of the best things that has happened from this Netflix series is I get people now sending me these messages from all over the world about experiences they've had that have proven to them that there's more to the story than meets the eye. And I, I, I read at least one of these a day because it just uh, nothing gives me more joy. Um, these miracles, and I'll call them miracles. I don't know what the right word is, but these moments where the veil between one reality and another reality gets thin. These moments happen all the time to people. Um, and I just love hearing about them. And some of them are extraordinary. Some of these people should be writing their own books about <laughs> these things. Uh, so please, if anyone has a story they'd like to share with me, uh, I, I love nothing more than reading those. So that's uh, all, uh, all at MikeAnthony.com. Thank you. And who knows, if you share a story with Mike, Maybe it'll appear in another book. I think he's got at least one more book in him. Either that or he's going to turn playwright and we're going to see a love dad on Broadway. That would be cool, wouldn't it? Well, sadly, again, it's time to go. I know we've run longer than our normal half hour. So I'm guessing out there there's somebody listening to this podcast who's already dropped their kid at school and is driving around the block to finish up. So let us do just that. Let us wrap up for the day. Go buy his book. There are people out there I know that are just craving for some sign, some indication that there's still a message for them somewhere. So believe, open your mind, get Mike's book, read about it, and who knows? Maybe you'll find your way to a medium that can help you too. Who knows? Maybe there's a sign you'll trip over. But take care of yourself. And we'll catch you next time as we all continue to live and grieve. Thank you so much for listening with us today. 
Do you have a topic that you'd like us to cover or do you have a question from one of our episodes? Please email us at info at asiliveandgrieve.com and let us know. We hope you will find a moment to leave a review, send an email, and share with others. Join us next time as we continue to live and grieve together.